All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Perspective. Um, I'm here with Shoni Ivins. Uh, Shoni and I actually go back a little ways. Uh, we've known each other since, uh, what was it, high school? Man, it's been a while. It's been years. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I, I know Shoni. I've known Shoni for a little bit, but hey, can you uh, go ahead and introduce yourself? You know, what, you, what you're up to, what you're doing right now? Yeah, for sure. So I've, uh, I've been in direct sales for the past seven years. Um, majority of that time was door knocking. So straight door to door guerrilla marketing. And, uh, and then I transitioned four years ago, I started to invest in real estate and it was something I was doing personally as an individual at that time. And, um, and started training some of the people that I was leading in door to door also to be able to invest in real estate. And that actually transitioned into a full time um, occupation for me about six months ago, uh, completely got out of door to door sales and transitioned into real estate. So now I focus on helping people to um, build a future when it comes to like a wealth uh, financial plan around real estate. So, Sweet. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really curious because uh, like I was saying, you know, you know, we've known each other for a little while now, but I think the last time I actually really like talk with you face to face like we were both going to uh to college mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm curious how did you even get started into the direct sales yeah it's interesting so i was i actually got approached by a friend um so i was i was doing phone sales at the time to pay my way through school i was going to uvu and uh, i had a friend who said hey because i was working part-time and going to school full-time and my friend was like, hey, how would you like to be able to make what you're making in an entire year, but condense that into four months just in the summer? And then you could go back to school and focus, you know, strictly on school, not have to do this part-time thing uh, where you're dividing your time between work and school. And for me, it was like that freedom aspect of being able to devote myself to school, getting good grades, you know, those things that we've been taught. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a big like win for me. And so I, I, in the beginning, it wasn't about like the money or the success. It was just about like, Hey, this is a means to be able to save time. And so went out for my first summer and had an amazing experience. Um, I, I should say it was a very disruptive experience because it wasn't really organized, but it was very beneficial in the way that it, it, it really helped me to grow in important ways. And that summer, I ended up making about $35,000, which was more than I was making at my previous job for an entire year, right? And uh, that's when I really caught the vision of sales and like what this could be, um, because I still felt like I was an infant uh, when it came to understanding sales, the psychology of influencing people. And um, so I started to realize like there was some potential there. If I really focused on developing the skill set of sales, then there could be a, a bigger picture ahead. And, um, and so actually right after that summer, I decided not to go back to school and, uh, dropped out of college after that first year. And, um, and then things just evolved year after year and it just turned into, um, an amazing opportunity and experience and, uh, really just changed my life. Cool. So real quick. Um, so you dropped out after your first year. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, did you have any, uh, whether from family or friends, any like pressure or like all oh, that you're being stupid or any like backlash from, from that, uh, that decision. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, I had, and this is, I think one of the big success principles is like surrounding yourself with people who, 
um, support your vision, your dreams, and the things that are important to you. And um, really trying to like rid yourself of all negativity or influences that could negatively impact your mindset. And so like, I feel like, you know, maybe it was by luck or by chance. Um, I don't think I was really aware of it at that time in life, but I had really gotten to a point where I had like positive people in my life at that time. And so like, I didn't ever hear like people saying that I wasn't going to make it or that I couldn't be successful. Like you might see some stuff online, right? Where it's like people don't believe in sales. And I got that a lot from customers. Like I can't tell you how many times I've knocked on a door and somebody just tell me go get a real job. Right. Um, and little do they know how much money individuals knocking doors were making. And, um, and so I was, I was blessed to have good people behind me who they trusted what I was going towards, uh, which was just like the best route for myself. Right. I felt like it was a way to growth and, uh, and maybe that was because also I was really passionate about it and people could see that. And, um, you know, it wasn't this vision of like a get rich opportunity for me. It was more of like, Hey, I like the skill sets that door to door is providing me with. And for the next couple of years, I'm going to double down on those skill sets and not focus on, you know, this education aspect, because I felt like that was my schooling. And, um, there were far more valuable skill sets that I learned in that setting um, than I could have learned in school because for me, school was not uh, something that I've ever been very good at because I have a very short attention span. And um, it was, it was hard for me to be able to acclimate to things like the testing and, and kind of like the, the structure that we have in our, our school educational system. And so, yeah, kind of to condense it, go back to your initial question is like, I, I had great people behind me supporting me the entire way. Oh, that's perfect. That's actually really good to hear. Because, you know, unfortunately, that's not what everyone gets, you know, whether it's dropping out of college, whether it's doing something that's not traditional, you know, sometimes you get that backlash, you know? Totally. So yeah. I was just going to ask, so what, what advice would you give to someone, whether they're in college right now, whether they're maybe considering switching careers, what advice would you give to someone who just, you know, they see an opportunity, they want to go for it, but maybe don't have that support that you have? That support, Totally. So this comes from a book, um, one of my favorite books is called 12 Pillars by Jim Rohn. And he talks about how one of the success pillars is surrounding yourself with the best people. And so it's like, you have to get very aware and like consciously start thinking about the network that you're currently surrounded with. That comes to your friends, your family members, the people you go to school with, um, uh, people that you work with, um, really anybody that has a lot of time that uh, you're spending with. And what you have to do is get very clear about what are their values. And, and first I should, I should back up. You actually need to decide what your values are, right? What's really important to you. And then start to associate with people who have similar visions, values, and, and goals as you. And so it's like, you have to get very selective and um, you know, be okay with like people, some people not supporting that, that goal or vision that you have. And the thing that's important to realize is that it's not their vision. Like somebody else doesn't need to have the vision for you to be successful. Right. So it's like, whatever you're feeling called towards, you need to commit to yourself and to your vision, your own journey, not to the stories and kind of the outward influences of other people. But a, a big piece of that is making sure that when you dial in and decide what your vision is, you need to start surrounding yourself with people who support that vision and uh, who, who have the right values that also align with your values. Dude, that, that's, uh, 
perfect. <laughs> I actually really, really, really like that answer. Um, so kind of, I won't go back, okay, to when you first got into uh, direct sales. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know, like, full story, but you did mention that uh, you had some disorganization and everything. Yeah. So yeah. what were some of the challenges, whether it was the disorganization, what were some of the challenges that you had, I guess, that you faced when you first started? Yeah. So I, I got to tell a quick story to, like, help preface it to make yeah. sense. So um, we... With the door-to-door the -door game, um, we would always move out of state. So it was never like where you grew up, right? So I was living here in Utah where I'm, I'm familiar with. And for that summer, they said, hey, we're all moving to Dallas, Texas. And I was excited about it. You know, I was 21 at the time. And for me being able to go out and explore another part of the country and meet new people and, and kind of just be in a different environment was exciting. And um, we go out, there's 22 of us that ended up going out for that summer to Dallas. And um, about two weeks into the summer, our manager, the, the leader of that group quit. And the other, uh, you know, 21 guys were all what we call rookies. So that was like their first experience knocking doors. It wasn't like anybody was a veteran in the industry. And, um, you know, as soon as the, the leader left, it was kind of like everybody was in a complete state of uncertainty. Like they didn't know what to do. Like we didn't have our pitches dialed in. We didn't have the processes in place, the structure, the strategy. None of that was developed yet. And, um, and so when our leader left, it kind of created this domino effect and everybody just started to leave. Guys were like, no, nah, this like, there's no way for me to survive. Mm -hmm. And it got down to three of us. Um, myself, my good friend, Eddie Schofield, uh, who, went to high school with me and then another buddy of ours, Josh Johnson. And, uh, we had the regional fly out, um, to our area in, in, uh, Dallas, Texas. And he's like, guys, pack your things, you're moving. And he's like, I'm going to move you to another office in Los Angeles. And, uh, it's all veterans. They don't do, you know, it's not as structured as what this office was set up to be where it's, we're training a lot of new guys. This is one where it's going to be more, of a crowd that's been doing this for three, four, five years. And so there's not like the consistency with the meetings and all the structure that you need, but at least you'll be surrounded with other producers. And uh, so we went out there, um, you know, that was about three and a half weeks into this summer program. And uh, we get to LA and California is one of the tougher areas, I would say, for new sales reps. I wouldn't say it's tougher than any other place in, in the country. I've sold everywhere from East coast to West. Um, but the difference is that it's saturated. It, it is hit year round because it's warm weather and you get all different kinds of companies. You have pest control, you have security, you have solar, you have just so many different things that people are getting bombarded with on a daily basis. And so it's natural for them to be able to be very short and brief when you, when you knock their door. So you have to be very quick at catching people's attention, breaking preoccupation and uh, getting in rapport with people. And that's something that's a little bit more of an advanced, um, you know, technique uh, for a sales individual. And so we, at our first year, you know, three weeks into the, the process, didn't have those gifts or those skill sets cultivated yet. And, um, and so the, the challenges came where we didn't have, you know, leadership. We would meet, we'd have these meetings and there would be leaders, uh, what I would call leaders or more, more better term for them was experienced sales reps. They weren't really mm -hmm. leaders who would, um, you know, kind of mock guys who were not selling. 
And so it wasn't like this, this environment where it's like, Hey guys, you're doing great. Like here's some of the, some new techniques to practice out there is like, Hey, if you don't sell today, you should probably go get a job at Seven Eleven or McDonald's. And so it was like, not, not a very positive atmosphere at all. But, um, I had quit my job. And one of the interesting things is my, my manager from my, my call, the call center I was working with, he said that, um, he's like, just so you know, most guys in, in door to door fail. And he's like, I don't believe that you're going to make it. So I'll probably see you here in you know two months asking for a job. And for me, I'm very prideful. Right. And, uh, and so like part of like the resistance or the, the, factor that helped me to stay stick it out that summer was just that like hey I didn't want to go back and try to ask for my my job back which it was a good job like I wouldn't have probably gone and looked for something else because I was getting paid like 20 to 25 dollars an hour so I was like man I I can't go back and see not only somebody else deem me as a failure but I can't in my own conscious like be able to to you know commit to something and then give up because the circumstances or the environment wasn't right and so we stuck it out and I ended up having a phenomenal summer, um, through sheer, you know, perseverance and like really just, it was a time for me to learn a lot about myself and about the level of persistence that I could tap into and then what results would come from that, um, level of commitment. And you know, that, that summer was a pivotal moment in my career and it's literally changed my life because um, after that, I was like, if I can handle those kind of circumstances, I can handle anything. And, uh, you know, luckily each summer provided different, similar challenges that allowed me to grow in different ways. And, uh, so that, that first summer was one where it's just, we didn't have, um, the full structure in place to really like get the full picture of sales, but it was enough, um, to help us be able to develop the right skill sets. Dang, like you answered a question that was just, just that was just going through my mind. I, the question was, you know, why didn't you quit? You know, when everyone yeah. else was. Um, yeah. But man, that's. I don't know if there's very many people who can say they've been through something like that when they first get into a business. I know, and and it's like, <laughs> and those are like the broader things that were interesting about that that year. But, um, you know, if, if we broke it down, like there was a lot of small details that were like, I'm surprised, like looking back on it, uh, why I didn't like quit or go home or find a different door to door company to work with. But, um, at the same time, I think deep down, like everybody, the, the level of commitment that you have to like yourself and the end product is what really matters. So for me, like the money wasn't actually what I was most excited about for that summer. And if it were, I would have quit. And that's why a lot of people do end up giving up is because their focus, their goal is usually financial gain or uh, recognition um, or some kind of um, outward result that they're looking for. Right. But for me, the, the big picture, and this was from a mentor that I had at the age of 19. And one of the things that he would always say is like, he said, if you treat a man as he is, he will remain that way. But if you treat a man as he could be and ought to be, he will become who he could be and ought to be. And what that really resonates for me is like, for me to see myself in the future of who I could become is where all the money's at. Like that is, is worth 10 times any amount of money I've made up to this point. It's who I've become in the process of all my goals. That's really important to me. And so at that time, even at, you know, 21 years old, what I really wanted was skill sets. 
I wanted to develop such valuable skill sets that I knew long-term they would benefit me. I didn't know what, you know, in what way, would, would that be financially or would it be benefit of, of having powerful connected relationships, um, a, a great network, what was that gonna be? I didn't know, but I knew that those skill sets of the art of communication, uh, effective um, negotiation and, and being able to uh, build trust in a very short period of time were valuable skill sets to have. And that's why I was willing to go through all of those other things to be able to get those skill sets. So I'm curious, that uh, desire to build those skill sets, is that something that you've always wanted? Or that, is that something that was more developed your early, early 20s? When, when did you, I guess, when did you want to more invest in yourself? That really happened. Um, I got a, a taste of it when I was 19. Um, you know, I, when, when I was on, I served an LDS mission, and my mission president, President Peterson, a phenomenal man, and he took it upon himself to like really instill principles for success, um, not only within like my my church and the gospel, but also within you know business and in life and relationships. And the the biggest thing that I really received from him was like a desire to be my best self, the best version of me that I could be. And uh, that was not the case like when I was in high school or when I was in middle school or anything like that. Like my, my mindset was like to put food on the table so that I can eat, right? It was a lot about safety, uh, security, comfort. And it wasn't until I was 19 years old where luckily, you know, at that age, that's a, I would say like for me, I was blessed to have that happen very early on rather than when I was 25, 30, 40 years old where I had a realization that like my progress and like my internal growth was what was like priority number one for me. And, um, you know, over the years, over the past eight years, I've really doubled down on focusing on like really becoming the best version of myself in all different, you know, categories of life. And, uh, but it all stemmed from having a, a powerful mentor who helped me to see the version of myself that I couldn't see at that time, you know, at a young age. That's awesome. So would you say that, would you say the mentors, would you say for someone who, especially who's younger, getting started in different things, would you advise them to find a, a good mentor? Absolutely. That'd be like priority number one for me is, and this is something, again, I, I would talk about with Jim Rohn. He said, just surround yourself with the best people. And so it's like getting yourself into a position where you have um, mentors, guides, peers, people who are winning in different areas that are important to your life. So like, for example, some people may focus on like, um, you know, their, their relationships. They may focus on their money. They may focus on um, their, their physical state, right? How healthy they are. And it's like whatever area you're trying to grow in, if I want to be able to like live a healthier life, I'm going to find somebody who's already living a healthy life and mimic what they're doing. If I want to be financially successful, I'm going to go and find mentors who are already doing great in that realm. And also understand that like the mentors you choose don't have to like cover every area of life, right? Like I've had great mentors who are amazing financially. They understand the game of wealth, but they're not great with building relationships. Right. And so what I'm going to do is pick and choose the things that I want to learn from each individual and upgrade those into, you know, my life. And, uh, but yeah, that's like step number one to getting started with like really getting the life that you want is 
finding those mentors, those people that you can surround yourself with who are further along on the path. It's not that they're better than you. It's just that they've already figured something out. And so simply getting around those people as much as possible can actually help you fast track your, your way to success. Awesome. So right now, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, the, the 17 year old kid in Oakland or, you know, in wherever it might be, maybe doesn't have the best circumstances at the moment. Maybe doesn't have the, maybe not in the best neighborhood. You know, where would you recommend uh, or what thoughts do you have for someone like that who's maybe wants to get a mentor, wants to surround themselves with maybe more positive and supportive people? Yeah. What, what thoughts do you have around that? Yeah, I think a um, few things. The, the number one that comes to my mind is like realizing where we're at in, in uh, society today and like how the world has evolved. And so like my approach, if I were starting over at that age in that kind of circumstance, um, I would be really realizing the power of technology and how it's like you don't actually have to be in the same room or work for um, you know, a person that you need to deem or want to deem a, a mentor. Like now today in my life, I have a lot of digital mentors. So people like Ed Milet, Tony Robbins, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, like a lot of individuals who are killing it in certain areas of life. And I can, con I can consume their content anytime. I can wake up at two in the morning and be able to watch some of their YouTube videos or check out some of their podcasts. And so like that would be the easiest starting point and it's free. So it's like an easy route to be able to, to start getting those right things. And this is a, an interesting aspect. Um, another one of my mentors told me that to attract um, attractive people, you have to become an attractive person, right? So like to attract people who are successful, you have to start becoming that now, whatever you want. So it's like, even if you're wanting to be wealthy, it's like you need to start having those, those wealth conscious thoughts now, rather than like, once I get the money, it's, I became success or I, I got money after I was already successful. And so um, really it's, a, it's about like them just starting to do their own development. Reading books is another great way. It's been around for years. Right. And, uh, and so it's like grab a book. It's like think and grow rich is probably one of the most like easy recognizable book that somebody can tap into. And um, but then it's like, start, you know, reading, start. It's funny actually on my phone, I have, rather than most people on their phones probably have, you know, a lot of social media and uh, we have so much, so many different values that we can get from our phones. But for me, I have more, and you probably can't see this, but I have more stuff that's geared towards like learning and like really upgrading myself than I do of like normal, like uh, entertainment, right? The, 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 like Instagram, the Facebook, I don't actually have those apps on my phone, Twitter, stuff like that. TikTok, all these things. I have like Audible, I have, you know, Blinkist, I have Evernote, I have Elevate, all these things that help me to, to really cultivate my mind. And so it's like, those are very simple routes that people can latch onto until they find the right people that they can actually sit in the room with and be able to learn from those person on a face-to-face -face basis. Yeah, and I love that you brought the whole technology because, I mean, we're living in 2020, like we are super blessed with all the technology we have. And it's funny with, even with social media, like you were saying, like, you know, Gary Vee, Tony Robbins, Ed Milet, all of them people, like, it, it's interesting when I, when I hear someone talk about, you know, social media is bad, I, I just have to ask, you know, who are you following? Yeah. Like, there's no requirement that you have to follow your negative, super political uncle 
on right. Facebook. You can still love them. You can still connect with them, but you don't have to actually follow their content. You can yeah. be following these other people who are building you up or, you know, helping to uh, just build your mindset and everything. Totally. Absolutely. It's like, that's just the starting point. You know, it's finding uh, a, a good place that you can control, right? Cause that's the things we have to look at is like, there's things, circumstances that you cannot control. It's like you're like the, the, where you grow up, right. Or like the family that you're born into um, and things like that. And I have like, I have that story. Right. And I don't, I don't want to, uh, you know, divest. That's like a longer path that we, we would get into. But what I want to say is like, there's things that you can control, especially with the way that technology is set up nowadays. And it's like, you can access the same information that Bill Gates can access right now. Right. One of the most wealthy individuals on the planet, you have the same access to information through the power of Google. And, uh, and, and also YouTube, it's like you have your, your university built into your phone now. And so there's no excuses as to far as like the, the information that you submit into your mind is what ends up turning into results in your life. And so you have full control over what you're consuming on a daily basis, whether that's going to be like entertainment stuff that like just kind of puts you to sleep where it's like the, the, the YouTube, the Netflix, the, um, you know, and when I say YouTube, I'm meaning like the stuff that's like just the funny videos or the like, um, you know, different things that's more labeled as entertainment than it is like learning, a learning experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you've got to make that choice every day of like what you're consuming and what you're consuming will evolve into who you're able to surround yourself with. Yeah. So true, man. So something I've been curious about, um, I saw this, I don't remember if it was on one of your social media platforms. Um, but I saw that one of your, or rather your big mission in life, at least one of them is to end world hunger. Mm -hmm. Uh, can you explain why that's one of your missions? Yeah, yeah, totally. So I, um, I come from a place where I have, um, you know, my parents were, were addicted to drugs when I was 14 years old. Uh, started when I was 11 and got worse up till when I was 14. And, you know, this was in a, in, in, when I was in high school, like I was actually embarrassed to talk about these things, but now I'm so grateful. And I realized that those were like formative experiences that have completely changed my paradigm and my idea of like what life is about. And so I'm very grateful for those experiences. But one of the things that I, at that time in life was missing out on was like, I, there was times where like physical hunger was something that I experienced, but more important than that was there were times where I was like spiritually hungry. I was emotionally hungry. I was like craving. My parents were there physically, but they weren't always there like mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what I realize now today is like, I, I, I just mentioned this two minutes ago is like when there are some people who don't have control over the, the lives that they're brought into, right? The families that they're, they're born into or the, the cities, the nations, um, whatever, you know, circumstances they're born into, that's uncontrollable. And I had, again, a, a huge radical change in my life when I was 19 and had a mentor who took me in almost as like a son and taught me these valuable philosophies or skill sets of like how to use the power of my mind. And I wish that that could have happened sooner. I'm grateful it happened at 19, but now my focus has shifted to realize like a lot of the gifts that I've been given and the success that I've had is all to support helping other kids that came up in the same situations that I had when I was growing up. 
and to make sure that like not only are they fed physically so when i say in world hunger it's actually not just talking about like the food aspect of feeding people but it's like feeding people there's so many people who are starving for information right wisdom there's people who are starving spiritually starving emotionally and so what my focus is is like getting to a point where um i don't think i'm like I don't have a desire or a need to like end world hunger by 2025, right? Or to, to do it by 2035. There's like not a timeline. Like it might take 200 years and I may not be around to like see it fully uh, come to fruition, but I know that I can create enough conversation in this lifetime to help have a lot of people join in on those efforts and that support. Cause there's a lot of people who've gone through similar experiences as me. And so it's about teaming up with people who care about other people's life experience and really like investing into that. And so for me, that's actually what drives all of my motivations, my actions. And that's why I've been able to, to reach the height of success that I've gotten to at this point um, is simply because my why, the vision, the reasons of my actions are really, you know, dialed in and focused. And, and, uh, and, and so for me, it's like helping people not only eat physically, but spiritually, mentally, and emotionally is the cause that I'm committing to. And so all of my success, everything is tied to that one main, main passion of mine. Dude, I like, honestly, I absolutely love that. Cause like you were saying, there are so many people who aren't just, you know, starving, you know, physically, but also like you said, spiritually and like so many emotionally, mentally, Yeah. just, yeah, yeah I, dude, I, I, again, I absolutely love that. So I'm curious, what are you doing right now to, I guess to get that ball rolling. Yeah. So up to this point, there's been a few different things. Um, so I've, I've been heavy in, in leading sales teams, sales organizations. And I, you know, got to the point first where I had to be a top producer. So I was in the top 5% of producers in my industry and then went to the top 1%. And so I was, you know, the, the difference between my production level and like the average person in our industry was I was doing double the triple of what they were doing. And like the top sales rep, I was always beating their, their um, income probably by, you know, 50 to 75,000, like just on a base level. And so for me, like that was the starting point is like really getting to a place where I could get my money right. Right. Because like, and, and this is probably something that I should preface is like in our society, a lot of people have like a negative connotation or belief towards money. And this comes from how we're programmed in society, right? Growing up, we hear a lot of things and you, you've probably heard these as well. It's like uh, uh, a penny saved is a penny earned, right? <laughs> or like money doesn't grow on. How's that finish? <laughs> right? So we all have these same beliefs and it's, it's at the subconscious level, which our subconscious level of our minds is what controls all of our actions. So we have to be very aware of like what has already been programmed through TV shows, through school, through family, through friends, all of those facets. And so um, really when it comes down to it, it's like once you can get a grip on understanding like where those things come into play in your mind, it's like it makes the whole path easier. So going back to the stories, like um, after I became a top producer, right, and got my financial wealth to a place where like not only could I live comfortably, but I could start helping other people, right? Money allows for more impact. And so for me, like this is the, the biggest thing that hit me. One of uh, my mentors said that uh, being poor is selfish because what happens is you can't think about anybody else besides yourself, right? If you're only thinking about paying your bills next month or next week, right? 
how are you thinking about anybody else's needs? But if you can completely automate and get all of your stuff in alignment, like all the, the basic needs that you need to cover and get that completely set, right? Um, you get to a place where now you can start thinking about, okay, what's next? Or more importantly, who's next? Who else can I help out? And so for me, um, that's, that's where, where it started happening. And so I started to donate to a few different charities. Uh, one, one is called No Kids Hungry. And this is an effort where they are actually focusing on like the, the physical side of, you know, feeding kids, uh, making sure that kids have, uh, if they, they can't afford, um, uh, there's, there's like, you know, free lunch programs at school. Well, those same kids will have, you know, be able to eat at school, but when they go home, they're not always guaranteed a meal. And so no kid hungry actually sends meals, sack lunches home with these, these kids. And uh, so that's been a charity I've been donating to for the past three years that I've been very grateful to be able to support. Um, and then over the past about four months, I've actually started to um, shift towards like my end goal, which is having my own um, nonprofit. And it's focused on, it's called Food for Thought. And there's four areas of, of facets that we're trying to feed people with. And it's not just kids, but it's anybody in those kind of circumstances where they're, um, you know, lacking nutrients, we'll say, in different areas of life. And so it's like feeding kids physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. It's those four pillars that I feel like helps people to actually find what they're really looking for, which is happiness. And um, for the past four years, what I've really been focusing on is developing the right kind of like curriculum, right? right what are the right philosophies or teachings that people need to, to hear to call the best version of themselves out? And so, you know, for the past four years, that's actually what I've been focusing on in sales is like, I'm training door to door guys at the, at my peak, I had 65 people who are all hundred percent commission. There, there's no base salaries or anything um, that I recruited and, you know, was leading. And what I would do is practice helping them to see the bigger vision of themselves. So it's like helping somebody who's their blueprint, their money blueprint is 25,000 or $30,000 a year. Right. When we ask them, you know, what, what amount of money would you like to make this year to really feel like a win? And usually people are like, Oh, if I can make 25,000 or 30,000, I'll be happy. Right. And they don't realize that there's no, like what you ask of life is what you're going to get. And it's not that like, if you say a hundred grand, there's no, re like you don't have to feel bad about that. Right. Or 250, 300 grand, whatever it is. And so what we would do is like my, greatest joy in the past four years is having somebody come in and see, think their money blueprint is 30 K and then help them get to 75,000 or hundred K or 150 grand and seeing the shift in their own internal belief of who they are. Right. And how they show up to the world. And so like, this has been something I've been practicing in my current vehicle, right. Which is just door to door sales for an AT&T product. But like, that's how, how committed I am to my vision is like, I'm not just doing this job just to collect a paycheck. I'm doing this to hopefully change lives. And I know that, you know, in the practice of learning how to lead people, how to inspire people is going to roll into like my longer term vision. And so I've been practicing in that realm. And now I'm going to be actually applying that into my own nonprofit and teaching kids um, how to think about themselves and their success. That's awesome, man. You know, just listening to you right now, just during this whole time, I'm, I'm curious, are you, cause I'm just thinking like, if you're not doing this, I think you should start some like your own podcast or some kind of YouTube channel. Cause just listen, I think you have some really good thoughts that 
you could put out some videos on and I don't know, I was just thinking like, have you, have you been doing that at all? I appreciate that. Um, so I've been on a lot of podcasts. Um, I've, I've done probably three already this year. And, um, but the, I haven't made it a priority to do my own with all the things that I've been doing, you know, in business. And uh, it's, it's been a juggle where I'm trying to find the balance um, because not only do I do those things that I mentioned, I've also been working with a group called Abundant and uh, we focus on coaching six and seven figure sales um, individuals in different corporations, places like Square, Outreach, um, Compass, a bunch of large companies. And so I've, I've had my hands in so many different moving parts. Mm-hmm. It's been hard to compartmentalize and like find the time to be able to create, um, you know, some content. And so that is going to be a, a shift that is a focus for me over the next year. Uh, but it's, it hasn't been something I've, I've completely committed to yet. Uh, but I, I am, it's in the works for sure. So okay. I appreciate that compliment. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I, I really think just listening to you, just kind of knowing a little bit about your background and the things that you've mentioned, I, I really think that some content, whether it's video content, podcast, whatever it might be, whatever, you know, you, uh, you decide on, I think it really would have an impact on people. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot. Yeah. All right. So I'm just going to uh, ask a few more questions and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Cool. So, what does an abundance mindset mean to you? I think it's, um, it's a great question because I think this is where we can actually realize what's happening in society. Like even, especially right now, like we have this virus going on and a lot of people are you know, fearful about that. But I think also like as a whole, if we look at the macro, the big picture of what's going on in the world, it's like there's a, there's two mindsets I think that control our actions and um, our outcomes in life. And that's either a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset. And for me, abundance is always looking for the gift or for the positive in every situation, circumstance, opportunity, right? So it's like, the person, how the things that happen to us are not what matters. It's actually how we respond to things that happen to us. And so we can look at it as like, I'm the victim. Why did this happen to me? Um, this is why I didn't succeed. And, you know, we can have this, this negative outlook on different things that happen. Um, or we can have the mindset of like, what, where is the gift in this? So it's like, if you actually ask yourself that question, it puts yourself in a state of abundance, like instantly. And so it's like, one of my mentors talked about how, like, you must create ways for abundance to flow to you and through you, right? And one of those ways is by asking yourself that simple question of like, what is the gift in this experience? So it's like, you know, for me, I might say, um, I'll give you a a real time example. So this happened to me my third year in sales. I took a team out to Chicago. I had another team in Detroit and one in Los Angeles. And um, so I was a regional manager at that time. And I had uh, one group who in Chicago, there was a a leader who um, wasn't completely satisfied with the experience that he was having with the company um, that we were working for. And so what he decided to do was to leave. Like just straight up quit. And I'm responsible at that time. I was responsible for all the housing. So we open up apartments 
and uh, uh, you know houses for people to move into when we transferred to a different area. And so we had, I, I believe we had about 23 to 25 people living in, in that area in Chicago. And um, he kind of created this triple trickle effect where we ended up having about 10 to 12 guys leave right after him. And I'm liable for all their housing. And so that ended, that year I ended up getting about $100,000 in costs on the housing. And it's easy for somebody to like say, hey, like I quit. Like this is not what I signed up for, right? And um, for me, again, luckily by that time I was far enough in the game that I realized and I started to have this mindset of like, what is the gift? And what I realized in that moment, this is the answer that came to like my mind at that time and completely changed how I was perceiving that experience. And I'm not going to say like it was easy. Like there was a lot of like fear around what was going on. Right. But when I asked myself that question, what is the gift of this moment? I realized, and this is the the thing that came to mind is that like this hundred thousand dollar experience that I'm going through right now is saving me millions down the road because now I understand the type of people, the values that I want to align with, and the people that I want to really build with. And so it helped me to get far more clear about the type of leaders that I was recruiting. And I knew that like one day when I'm building my own business, my own company, it might be a, a, you know, a million or a $10 million amount of money on the line. Right. So that sacrifice back then helped me in the long term. And so it's like, if I would have said like, whoa, me, like this is, you know, I'm the victim here, which I easily could have done then I probably would have not even gone out after that the next year, which I ended up having, you know, doubling my income the following year. And so like always coming to the table with a, a, a mindset of like, there is a purpose for this experience that is positive. And I have to find the good in each experience. doesn't matter what that experience is. There's always a positive light at the end of the tunnel, but you just got to look for it. For sure. So, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, continue. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the first first aspect. And then the second aspect to me, abundance really comes down to like purpose. Um, so it's like legacy um, would probably be a simple word to use. For me, it's like um, how I'm affecting other people financially, how I'm affecting their relationships, how I'm affecting them emotionally, um, and in the way of, of how they're growing through life, that matters to me. And so like, I'm not only thinking about the experience of how my kids are going to experience the world, right? Like my kids are gonna have a, a great lifestyle, but I'm also thinking about other people's kids and how I can help their experience be better as well. And so I think an abundance mindset is like getting out of thinking about yourself all the time, right? Which is often, uh, the cycle that we all go through. And like, I still go through it, but it's like, how can you start thinking about more people beyond yourself? And, and it's great to start with your family. It's like, start with, with your family. Right. And you still have to have that personal self care of like thinking about um, what's important to you, but it's like, then start thinking about how can I influence uh, my sphere and how can I then broaden that sphere of people that I have influence over and help them to have a better experience in this lifetime. And when you start thinking about that, that's when you start tapping into, you know, this abundance mindset of like, there's not, there's not just this finite amount of money in the world or finite amount of resources. There's enough to go around for everybody. And so abundance mindset is all about like seeing the bigger picture. Like there is no lack of supply. Like there's plenty to go around, plenty of love, plenty of happiness, plenty of money, success, everything. 
and knowing that you can help other people get more of all those things that they're searching for and commit to it. And so for me, it's like those abundance ties into both of those factors. Perfect. So based on what you were saying, you know, and uh, from when you were younger, you know, your teenage years and everything, would you say that you had to develop that, that mindset as you got, got older? thousand percent. Absolutely. And I'm still developing it. Right. And that still comes down to like the content I put in my mind every day. It comes down to the people I'm surrounding myself with. And it, it comes down to like the environments I'm putting myself in. Right. And so it's like abundance uh, and, and really tapping into like the possibilities is something that I'm consistently moving towards and learning about. And so it's like, that was not my mindset when I was in high school at all. Like it was complete scarcity. Right. And, um, and so like my, the tables have turned and, and now I'm focusing on like, how can I help other people to develop that same mindset? Because it is a, it's a, it's something you develop. It's not something you're born with by any means. It's like, it's a completely developable skill set to really put yourself in a, a state of abundance rather than a state of scarcity. For sure. sure. You know, I, I just need to make a, note, a side note right here. Um, you know, for, for those listening, those watching this, it's kind of hard to articulate. Not that Shoni, at least in my, in my eyes, not that Shoni was ever like a bad person or anything like that. I never, you know, consider him, you know, I was, I was never thinking he was going to end up in jail or anything like that. But it's just so interesting, you know, just talking to you now, you know, I don't even know, it's probably been 12, 13 years since I first met you. Yeah. And just seeing the change, like even just the change in just your demeanor. Um, you know, it's something that, that I really do love talking about. Just there, like there's literally like our, like we are literally built for change. Like our brains yeah. have plasticity. They, they literally can change no matter what, you know, like you were talking about with, you had a scarcity mindset. Now you're have much, a much more abundance mindset. And I think I just want to just put on record that, you know, we can change, you know, Shoni, I think right here is an example of, someone who, who's changed and is continuing to change. And I, I just love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I think that's like the underlying basis of like my message and what I like love sharing with people is that like who they were yesterday or five years ago or 10 years ago doesn't have to be the same person that they are today or tomorrow or five years from now. And so getting clear about like, what ingredients you want to be a part of your life down the road and like what in, in the form of, you know, when I say ingredients, I'm meaning like what type of people you want to be surrounded by, um, how much income you want to be bringing in, uh, the, the level of uh, influence that you have an impact that you have on your society, uh, in your network, um, and, and all those facets, like the level of happiness and gratitude that you have for the, for life in the world. All of those things can, um, be obtained and it starts with like you seeing that version of yourself in your mind first. So it's like going through a practice, like really getting clear about like, who do I want to be and like, what values do I want to stand by? And, um, you know, implementing those into your daily practice helps you to get closer to that version of yourself. It's just small changes. It's coming down actually this, this simple principle of like Einstein talks about, you know, the, the compounding effect is the eighth wonder of the world and um or compounding interest and and it's not just like money that compounds 
it's like your success, your growth compounds as well. So as you commit to like making these small adjustments day by day, you actually start to see the long-term aspect of that is a massive ROI in your daily actions. And so if I can, can, you know, preach anything to anybody, it's like really focusing on where they want to go and like just making small uh, tweaks daily, day by day and getting a little bit better. And, you know, eventually you get to where you want to be. Man, dude, I've been loving this interview. <laughs> like seriously. So uh, last, probably last question. I'll let you go. I know you got to get going pretty soon, but what brings you happiness? For me, the, the greatest joy comes from helping other people go through a process of transformation. And by that, what I mean is like the exact same process that I was, um, you know, invited to step into when I was 19 years old of radically changing who I thought I was and like changing the inner story of what my life could be. And so for me, it's like, helping to see the click in somebody else when they realize that they could get anything they want out of life, right? They can become whoever they want to become and see them start progressing towards that worthy ideal. And so for me, it's all about seeing other people's progress and, you know, hopefully being uh, an influence in their journey to make sure that they have like the, 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 I wouldn't say the, the easiest experience possible because growth is not easy but it's necessary to be able to have fulfillment, right? True happiness. And so for me, it's all about seeing people go from point A to point B and then to point C and then point D and, and continuing down that path of like just simple progression and seeing them look back on their journey and seeing that they've gone uh, further than they thought they could have. And uh, that's where I find my joy, my happiness. Awesome. So I just need to squeeze one more question in. Uh, because you keep mentioning, you know, that, that basically 19, you know, your, your volunteer, you know, mission uh, with, with the church, so that, that really was the, the changing, the, the yeah. turning point in your life. I'm curious, what, why did you make that decision to, to do that, to, to serve, a, serve a mission? So um, my, I was a convert to the church. And, um, you know, I mentioned some of the things, the experiences I had with, with my parents. When I was 14 years old, um, my mother went to prison for seven years. And I saw her about twice between then and, and the age of 21. And um, for me, the, the, the biggest thing was I saw the, the radical change that happened to my father, who was also a convert, that happened when I was 14 years old. That's when he came back into our lives. And it was luckily like perfect timing right when our mother went away. And so we got to move in with our father and he was such a radically different person because of, you know, his journey with Jesus Christ and his, his commitment to the gospel at that time. And I had saw and, and noticed that like, and I didn't notice that notice this at that age, but I noticed it when I was like 18, 19 years old. And I, I started to think about like, how would life be different if my dad didn't, have that experience if he didn't convert to the church, didn't have Jesus Christ as a mentor. And what I started to realize is like my life would have been, I probably would have been in jail or on drugs or worse. Um, that was like the trajectory I was going on at the age of 12, 13 years old. And 
And that's something like I want to be honest and open about. And then, you know, when I was 18, 19, I started to realize how like my, that's when the crossroads changed for my life was when I was 14 and my dad came back from my life. And so the, the, the biggest pain that I had was I had this question of like, if I don't go, who else might not get this experience that I've had? Like who else might not be able to, um, you know, have a radical change in their family's life that might impact them for years to come. And realize, realizing all that I would have missed out on if another missionary wouldn't have taught my dad, right, about the gospel. And knowing that I didn't want to have that on my shoulders, you know, for the next 20, 30, 50 years, knowing like I could have made an impact in somebody's life. And for whatever reason, I decided not to commit to that, um, you know, to that two-year journey. And so like, you know, I luckily had this, deep sense of awareness of like the two different paths my life could have turned out to be. And I was fully committed to making sure that other people didn't have to have that other, uh, you know, path because I didn't show up to my fullest capabilities. And so that's why I decided to go on a mission was to serve other people and help other kids like me who may have gone through similar experiences um, or just people who are going through pain of any sort. Well, you know, it's funny that's your answer because I feel like that's what you are still doing. You're yeah. still trying to help people and still trying to make an impact so that they can, so they can help their families and their families can turn around. And I feel like from everything you said, you're kind of still on a mission, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I think this is the long mission. I've, I've committed to a long-term mission, you know, and it's, uh, it's one of like, I, I think, to put it as simple as possible, like I just feel like there's a debt that I owe and um, I don't think I could pay it back in the next, you know, 50 years, but it's, it's the debt of like somebody else. Um, you know, multiple people radically changed my life by the way they showed up for me. And um, I'm committed to paying that back by doing the same thing for as many other people as I can. Awesome, man. Well, I know you got to get going. Dude, this is, I seriously feel like we could talk for like another two, three, four hours. This has been yeah, great. Totally. Um, so real quick, where can people find you on social media on what, like, do you have, I know you got a website. Where can people find you? Yeah. So they can go to my website, show me Um, there they can sign up for my, my newsletter, which has a lot of value that I send out every couple of weeks. Um, so that I guess you can say is like, has been my method of, uh, podcasting is just written form. Um, and I've, I've nailed that down. So that's one way. Instagram, show me Ivan's. Um, Facebook, Shoney Ivins as well. So it's all, all the same stuff, Twitter, LinkedIn, everything is just Shoney Ivins. So it makes it easy for them to find me and I uh, would love to connect. So send me a personal message if you'd like. Awesome, man. Dude, thank you so much for being on. Yeah. Thanks brother. Appreciate you.